All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 5. And uh, I did some of this Wednesday night. Had to because, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole lot in every chapter in Revelations. Revelation, not shuns, <laughs> but Revelation. And uh, so I did some of it Wednesday night so that I'd have time to do the rest. And I got to reading it and I thought, well, you know, there's still going to be a whole lot left over. Uh, even, even by splitting it up in two. But in Revelation chapter 5, uh, we, we will begin looking at a peculiar book. Uh, which is actually a scroll. They didn't have books back in those days like this. They printed books on long sheets of paper and rolled it up. You know, they'd write on it and roll it up. But anyway, in, in uh, chapter 4 that we covered uh, last week, we saw that John was caught up in the heaven. And he saw God sitting on the throne. And in the midst of this scene, heaven is filled with praises unto the Lord because they understood what the Lord is about to do. You can go back even in the Old Testament and see that before God would pronounce judgment on Israel, He would call His man up and give him a vision. Isaiah said that, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord uh, high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Right after Isaiah had that vision, God sent judgment on Israel. You can think of uh, Ezekiel. Uh, when the Lord gave him a vision, it was prior to his judgment once again on, on Israel. And so, in the fourth chapter, they were excited because they knew that something is fixing to happen. That word fixing, I don't, do you all use that word up north? Fixing, that, getting ready. Getting ready to happen or fixing to happen. And uh, so today we go into the fifth chapter. And next week when we get into the sixth chapter, unless we start at Wednesday night, uh, things began to happen. Things began to move. But right here, He is revealing to those left over from the fourth chapter what it is that He's about to do. So He says, And I saw in the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book, or a scroll, written within on the back side, written within and on the back side, both sides, Sealed with seven seals. Now, as I said, that's a peculiar thing because they did that uh, in Israel in the Old Testament. They did it for very important legal documents. They would write and then put a seal. And then someone else would come along and he would write and put a seal. And it was a title deed. If you were living in ancient Israel, Old Testament times, 
uh, you were assigned a certain parcel of ground or piece of property, and it was yours. But if you fell on hard times in some way you couldn't pay your bills, uh, you would forfeit your property, but not forever. Uh, and so they would write it on a scroll. They would write it on the inside of what you did to lose that property, and then on the outside they would give instructions of how it had to be bought back, or the procedures of being bought back. Uh, not only property, but uh, you could sell yourself into slavery if you wanted to. Uh, that's what you do every time you go to the bank and borrow money. <laughs> you sell yourself into slavery. You, you are uh, de indebted to them until the note is satisfied. But if you couldn't pay it, uh, they had ways of going about it that you could still uh, redeem yourself or one of your kinsmen, close kin, could pay it and redeem you from that bondage. But Or a wife. If a wife's husband died and left her no children, uh, a close kinsman redeemer, and by the way, we see this in Ruth and Boaz. He was a kinsman redeemer. And he redeemed her. He paid the price that had to be paid and redeemed her. And then she had children by Boaz. And by the way, that's the lineage that the Lord Jesus Christ came through. So this was a book written within. And on the backside seal was seven seals. And what it was is the title deed to God's creation, the world. When God created man and put him in the Garden of Eden, He said, you will have dominion over everything. All of the rest of creation, it's yours. You are to have dominion over it. And then, of course, you know the story how man sinned. He fell into sin and he lost that dominion and someone else took it up. That was Satan himself. Satan uh, took dominion over the world. You can find him referred to over and over again in the Bible as the God, little g, of this world. And the prince of the power of the air. Uh, he is the one that has dominion right now, but they were excited because God has this title deed up there, all sealed. And John said, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Paul, Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, none of them were worthy to open the book. And he said, so no man in heaven nor in earth, any of those left behind on earth, they wasn't, they wasn't worthy either, nor under the earth, not even demonic uh, powers were able to open the book, neither look thereon. Now notice he said, who is worthy? 
He didn't say who is willing to open the book. We've had many men throughout history that would have been willing to open the book. We had old Napoleon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, later on Hitler. Hitler would have been glad to open the book and, and have dominion over the world. But he said, who is worthy? Who's worthy to open the book? And when John said he saw, you know, that there was none worthy, he said, and I wept much. Can you imagine that? There's weeping in heaven. Uh, in chapter 21 of Revelation, you'll find that God wipes away all tears. But there's got to be tears there for Him to wipe away, right? Amen. So John wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither look thereon. And then one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Now this lion of the tribe of David John knew who he was talking about. He was talking about the Messiah. Because when Jacob blessed uh, his sons over there in Genesis chapter 49, he gave that prophecy that out of Judah, Shiloh would come. And so uh, he, he knew that he was talking about the Messiah. And he says he's the root of David. <laughs> we usually think of him being the offspring of David, but listen, he was, he was the root. He was there before David ever thought about being there. And he had prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. You know, it says he's in the midst. In chapter 4, we saw John talking about the, the elders. He talked about the four beasts. And uh, why in the world didn't he see Jesus? Why didn't he see this lamb before? He was right there in the midst. Did you know that when you're reading this, especially this book, and you get all caught up in the prophecy of it, it's easy to miss Jesus. Amen. And yet it's a revelation of Jesus. It's the unveiling of Jesus. So when you're reading well any of the any of this whole book, don't miss Jesus. He's always there. He's always there in the background. And so he uh, they said a lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's prevailed. And he says, I looked in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Now wait a minute, John. A slain lamb don't stand. A slain lamb is lying in a puddle of blood. But here is this lamb that has been slain and he's standing. 
You know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, Satan had a celebration. I just imagine one of those old demons just beating the drum that whole three days and nights. He thought he had defeated the promised seed that God was going to send. He, th he thought he'd won the battle. And then you know what happened after the third day? Up from the grave he arose. Amen. And I started that too high or I would have sung the rest of it. But, <laughs> but, but he got up. We don't, we don't, as I say over and over, we don't serve a dead, dying God. We serve a living Savior. He's alive. And John saw Him there, a lamb that had been slain, but He was alive. He was standing. And He said He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. This word that's used for lamb... <clears throat> is a pet lamb. It's a family pet. You know, God told him over there in Egypt, He said, I want you to take a lamb, a lamb for every home, a family. And I want you to take it and, and keep it for X number of days and make sure that it has no spots and no blemishes. You know what happened when they, the family would take a lamb, take it in there, take care of it and watch it they made a pet out of it some of you has animals that maybe you bought to put in your deep freeze but you named them <laughs> you put a name on them you go out every day and talk to them and you pet them and you just can't do that you can't butcher them you can't stand the thought of sitting down and eating a hamburger and saying, this is old Joe. <laughs> or whatever. You, you made a pet out of it. Well, the, they made a pet out of it. This was a pet lamb. Now, here's the thing. If, if this pet lamb is going to win over that great red dragon... The God, little G, of this world, the prince of the power of the air, why don't he send that lion out there instead of the lamb? You know, God, the, Satan is powerful. You, you know, he's no match for us. But God is so powerful and so great that he can send a little lamb out there to beat the tar out of Satan. <laughs> kind of reminds me of, of David and Goliath. Here was a big old giant, 10 feet tall, or maybe a little more than that, with a spear made out of a weaver's beam. And he was cussing and ranting and raving, just a fierce looking and sounding guy. And here was little old David, just a shepherd boy, with something inside here that made him want to go out there and whip him. And of course they they tried to put armor and 
everything on him that was too big for him and he couldn't wear it. And he went out there and defeated that giant with a rock. And I, and I know that, that it, that's what it was, just a smooth rock. But that rock symbolizes Jesus in a lot of places in the New Testament. And I'm not saying he threw Jesus at him. He threw a rock at him, and whenever it left that sling, God guided it the rest of the way. And he just, he just knocked that giant down, and David was able to defeat him. But here's a lamb that's going to do the same thing. He's going, this pet lamb that had been slain, why do you suppose, or how do you suppose that John knew that this lamb had been slain? Because he still had the wounds. The Bible tells us that uh, when Jesus comes back at his second advent and the Jewish people see him, they're going to say, where did you get these wounds in your hands? And Jesus will answer from the house of a friend. And every time we see this lamb in heaven, this this. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, this the Lamb of God in heaven, this pet lamb. Every time we see him, we're going to see that he was slain. And we're going to be reminded of what it cost for us to become a child of God. And you're talking about worshiping? <laughs> We won't have any problem finding anything to worship about when we look at that lamb. But he had, he had uh, let's see, I lost my place. Stood a lamb that had been saying, he had seven horns. That, that's a weird, that would be a gross looking thing, wouldn't it? A lamb with seven horns. But that means that he had all power. He is omnipotent. He has all power and seven eyes. He, he sees all. And that, that's wisdom. Omniscient. And seven spirits of God sent out, sent forth into all the, the earth. He is always present. He is omnipresent. He has the attributes of God because He is God. And He came and took the book out of the right hand of Him that sat on the throne. God the Father was holding this scroll and Jesus came and took it out of His hand. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders, that's us fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps. Every one of them had harps. I know some of you play musical instruments. I play the radio. (laughs) And the television. But in that day, I'm going to have a harp. And I'm going to know how to play it. And so every one of them had those harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of saints. How many years 
Has God's people been praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we prayed it so long that it just becomes repetition. But it does mean something. God has a kingdom that's coming. And we're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. So we had these odors and the vials which, which are full of odors which are prayers of the saints. Prayers of the saints. <laughs> Some people, they misunderstand that word saint and they say, well, I ain't no saint. You are if you know the Lord. Amen. You don't have to be go through some kind of ritual to become a saint. You are a saint. It don't mean you're perfect. It means you're perfect in Him. Amen. But those prayers are like golden vials full of odors. They are precious in God's sight. I, I believe when a little child kneels down or stands up, whatever, and prays, uh, we might not put too much emphasis on that, but that is sweet and it's precious in God's sight. And I don't care if you know all of the these and thous and thines, and I, it don't matter if you can dress up a prayer and make it sound so spiritual. If you're as dumb as me, you can just talk to the Lord and it's a precious thing in His sight. And so we've been praying for years. God's people have. Many of them already gone on to heaven. But they have those golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song. <laughs> I told them Wednesday night, most people don't like new songs. I don't know it, don't want to learn it. Don't matter how good it is, I, I don't want a new song. But one day you're going to sing a new song. God put it in your heart when you were saved, but you've never heard it. And you don't know it yet. But when we get there, every one of us who have been saved are going to sing that new song. We won't have to go to rehearsal. We won't have to have a book there to learn it because God, I don't know how to describe what He does, He just pushes the right button and, and this song just going to come out of our mouth. There's gonna be, I told Him Wednesday, there's going to be some things that we enjoy here on earth that's going to be in heaven. And one of them is singing. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by Thy blood. That's all a part of the song. He has redeemed us. Redeemer. Job, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. To redeem something means to buy it back. Old, old Adam fell and he threw the whole world into sin. And, and so we were separated from God by our sin. 
and by our sin nature, but He redeemed us. He bought us back. He paid redemption's price, which was dying, taking my place. I was on death row, but He died in my place. He died for me. He's redeemed us to God by Thy blood. Uh, a few years ago, there was a denomination that went through their songbook and took out, marked out every song that had anything to do with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that songbook would be out of place in heaven because the first song that we're going to sing is about the blood. Thou hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests. How many of you feel like a king today? You are. And a priest, you are. And we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. I don't know what he's going to give us to do. I don't care. You know, he can put a broom in my hand and say, I want you to keep this street clean. <laughs> That'd be all right with me. Whatever God ordains, that's fine. But he said, you're going to reign with me. I wish we had a lot of God's people reigning today. Amen. Serving. And I know there probably are some that are God's people that are serving uh, here and there, but uh, some of the some of the stuff that that comes on us today is, is certainly not uh, anything that God would be a part of. Think of all those abortions that are performed. And uh, told you a few weeks ago about seeing a sign, somebody holding a sign saying, "Thank God for abortion." I thought that's, that's blasphemy. But he said, you're a king and a priest unto our God. We're, we're already down here. We're already ambassadors for Christ. Here's a good question. Do we act like it? Do we dress like it? Do we talk like we are an ambassador for Jesus Christ? We ought to. Here he goes a step further and says, not only are you an ambassador, but unto God. He, he has made us kings and priests. King Ted. <laughs> King Larry. King Howard. King Howard the first. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first, but, but anyway. He said, I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That's a hundred million. And then he said, and thousands of thousands. In other words, it just you can't number them. There's so many. And they were saying with a loud voice, Worthy as the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory 
and blessing. That, that's, a, that's a song. And it said they were doing it with a loud voice. That means, that again, from Wednesday night, there's going to be shouting in heaven. There ought to be some down here. You ought to start getting used to it. Do we not have something to shout about? Sing with a loud voice. Thou art worthy. to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, they heard me saying, John said, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And they probably did that with a loud voice too. They said, Amen. Listen, Jesus can be to you today. He can be the Lamb that was slain. Or He can be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That ferocious Lion that comes back to devour and to defeat. But whatever He is to you is whatever you would allow Him to be. Whatever you want Him to be, He will be to you. Jesus is a winner. I know it, it looks like sometimes we get looking at things going on in the world and we think, boy... The Lord has lost this battle. No, He hadn't. He hadn't lost it. He knows exactly what's going on. Uh, he knows exactly what He needs to do to defeat the enemy. And, uh, and He's done that. He's done everything necessary and will do the rest of whatever is necessary. He's already redeemed us. He's paid redemption's price. I want to ask you today, who is Jesus to you? In the next chapter, we're going to start seeing some things happening as these seals are opened. And this is, chapter 5 is necessary. Those seals have to be opened before what we call the tribulation period is called in the Old Testament Daniel's 70th week or the time of Jacob's trouble when God will judge Israel but he'll he'll judge the whole world too and we're going to we're going to see that began to happen next week as we look at chapter 6 but what is he to you is he your redeemer today or is he going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah who will come and judge you someday? It's up to you. That's not God's choice. That's your choice. You can receive him today as your Savior, as your Lamb that died for you and taketh away the sins of the world. Or you can leave him out of your life 
and he'll be that lion, that lion of the tribe of Judah, which will come and judge you one day. Why not make him your lamb today? Why not allow him to conquer your sin and save your soul? We're going to stand and sing closing hymn. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we invite you to come. If you know the Lamb today, you'll never have to face the lion. And my prayer is that you do know Him or you will come to know Him right now before you leave here today. We're going to stand and sing 381. 381. If you have any other decision that you need to make for the Lord, maybe, maybe you have a friend or a family uh, or somebody that you know and love that's lost. And let me tell you, and that's not the reason I'm in Revelation, but you don't have to look at Revelation. You just look at the news and know that it can't be far. It can't be far. And maybe you need to come and pray for somebody. Whatever the reason might be for you to coming, we invite you to come. Number 381. <laughs> <coughs> Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Calling 